Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to Believe in Raiders podcast from Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford route Stan. Raiders snap a three-game losing streak by beating the Denver Broncos 22-16 in overtime. The sixth straight win over the Denver Broncos. It was their first win in one-score games this year. They're now 1-6. Hey, man, it was a much-needed win. I know it's a lost season, Stan, but just from a morale point of view, this was a big win for the Silver and Black, right? Oh, no doubt about it. It was a huge win just for their morale. You look at uh, on social media, you look at the Raiders Instagram page and just some of the pictures that you saw from the locker room, you would have thought that they just, you know, won the Super Bowl or, you know, won the AFC title game or something like that. But you definitely can understand why anytime that uh, you've been leaking oil like the Raiders have been doing over the last several weeks. Uh, to be able to go ahead and get a victory, that just it, it, it just soothes a lot of the bad feelings and just a lot of the bad vibes that have been going on through that organization. So it's definitely something that going into Thanksgiving, they definitely can go ahead and be thankful for. Dan, let me ask you this. I had a couple of people text me, and they're like, you know, yeah, they, the Raiders won, but it, it's against the Broncos. We've beaten the Broncos twice, two or three wins against the Broncos. And I'm like, you know what? How would you feel if the Raiders lost that game? <laughs> I'm like, you would hey. feel even worse. I'm like, why do people yeah. nitpick? Because, Stan, you played in this league for eight years. Wins are hard. I don't care how good you are or how bad you are, right? Yeah, they are. And obviously, you know, people are going to always give their opinion. That's just number one. But I think that when you really look at it in totality, because of the celebrating, because of the the happiness that you could see exude over everybody's face, after that victory is, you know, the haters are going to be like, hey, it was just a it was just a win against the Broncos. So, you know, calm down. But, you know, anybody that's a part of this organization, anybody that's a part of this fan base can definitely if they can resonate as far as uh, why this victory means so much. It doesn't mean that they're going to the Super Bowl, but obviously to have that positive feeling again is something that you don't get a whole lot. It's something that it does not come by very easily. And just like what you said, wins in this league are hard. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care if you're the Houston Texans. Wins do not come by easily. So whenever you get them in whatever situation, whatever capacity, you're going to celebrate. All right, let's get our sponsorship read in here, and then we can get back to Sunday's victory. And basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf this time of year. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAF to receive your rewards. BetOnline, 
where the game starts. All right, Stan, back to it now. And I thought there were several standout performers on Sunday, and not in any particular order. I thought it was Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and Max Crosby. And I want to begin with Jacobs, who rushed for 109 yards and had that big catch uh, late in the fourth quarter to send the game into overtime. Stan, he's on pace for more than 1,500 yards this season and averaging over five yards a carry currently. You and I were texting during the game, and I said, I, I understand it goes against today's NFL to sign running backs to second contracts. But I think if you're the Raiders, you need to think long and hard about bringing him back. I mean, they have so many other areas of concern with this football team. I think maybe locking him up, that's one less position you have to worry about heading into 2023. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would uh, go ahead and agree with that. Just because if you go and right now you were to cut Josh Jacobs, you were to go ahead and let him walk in free agency, you're immediately in the draft looking for somebody just like him. So uh, I don't know if I would break the bank on him, obviously, because we know how running backs are. But as far as bringing him back, as far as having him in the fold, I definitely would want that because we see that he's now running determined. He's running angry and he's being very effective. So you don't want to just let something like that walk right out the front door unless you are positively sure, definitively that you can find either A, an upgrade or at least B, something that is at least comparable comparable to that same level and unless you can do that no you don't let him go in free agency Stan are you a little bit surprised by the year he's having I thought we always knew he was a good back but Stan he's he's having a he's having a great year he really is yeah I mean well we I mean he showed flashes early on we all could see that uh things like that so as far as you know this probably more so because of the understanding or just should I say just the 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 false narrative that his best years were behind him he's got too much tread uh that's already been taken off the tires and things like that you may be surprised just from that standpoint that he still has something left in the tank but from an ability standpoint what he's put forth so far on the football field throughout these first 10 games that's something that no that didn't surprise me because we saw flashes of that early on it's just more of the surprise that okay he still has that in him and that's exactly why we give bringing him back a strong look strong consideration all right Stan Devontae Adams continues to show why he if he's not the best wide receiver he's what top top two or three let me ask you this and from a defensive perspective how in the world was he so open on that game when he <laughs> catches? Because here's my thing, Stan, and I know it's easier said than done when I'm sitting at home like, oh, my gosh, basically the Raiders have three playmakers on offense, or maybe two, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. So why aren't the Broncos uh, you know, focusing all their attention in the secondary Devontae Adams? You've seen that last play, Stan, several times now. Take yeah. me through it. How is he so open when the Broncos secondary, basically, he's the one you got to stop? Well, Devontae was running over pattern and PS2, Patrick Sertain, uh, one of the uh, best young corners in this league up and coming was uh, was guarding him. And because Devontae did such a great job of selling the over route, selling the over pattern. So what is the over what is the over pattern? Explain that to people. Basically, it's where you line up on one side of the field mm-hmm. and then you basically run an arc, which is basically kind of like, you know, the top end of a circle. Okay. You run an arc in the direction of to the opposite football, to the opposite side of the football field. Let's say uh, they were, uh, they want to say the ball was somewhere around the 30, the 35 yard line. Imagine if you're on one side of the football field and you're running at an angle to the pylon at the, at the front of the end zone 
on the opposite field, the okay. opposite side of the field. So that type of an angle, you're running at an arc, you're running at an angle, almost kind of like the three-point line on a basketball court. You're running at an angle uh, with an arc. And so when Patrick Sertain saw that, he's automatically assuming, okay, Devontae's about to run the over pattern. Let me go ahead and try to meet him and beat him over there. That way I can make a play on the ball because, like you just said, it's overtime. But Devontae having great feet, as you've heard many like Stephon Gilmore have touted him as the best in the NFL when it comes to at the line of scrimmage, how he can beat you off the ball with his footwork and things like that. So Devontae just simply gave a great sell on the over. And then as soon as Patrick Sertain feels like he's already diagnosed the route and he's about to jump it and try to go steal it, if, uh, De if Derek Carr throws the ball, that's when Devontae breaks it back to the original side that he's that he came from on what a lot of people call the post corner. And that's exactly why he was so wide open. So it wasn't that Denver just simply dropped the coverage. It wasn't that Denver's just out there just not knowing what they're doing. It just speaks to Devontae Adams and his greatness and how he's one of the superb route runners within the NFL. That's a great explanation, Stan. Have you seen the video of Dante after he scored the touchdown, his message to uh, Patrick Sertan? Uh, when he basically just told everybody he, to be quiet, he's, uh, no, man, he, I think that he was also saying to a camera, he's not there yet. He's not there yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, and, and that's where within this league, I can't do anything but respect what Devonte Adams said, because that's the truest statement that there probably is. Patrick Sutain, obviously his dad played in the league for a right. number of years. Great player, great corner, Patrick Sutain. Great high school corner, great collegiate corner at Alabama, top draft pick. We all can see that. And I, like I said, he's one of the top young corners in this league right now. And all Devontae Adams is basically saying is like, hey, let's not go and crown this guy. It's Deion Sanders. Let's not crown this guy in the Hall of Fame just yet. He's not there yet. He didn't say, hey, man, that Patrick Sertain guy, he's trash. Or, you know, he's a, he's a scrub. He didn't say that. Right. He just said he's not there yet. And I couldn't agree with him more because Patrick Satane, great player. I love watching him play. But if you're actually expecting him to go out there and cover the Justin Jeffersons of the world, <laughs> the Devontae Adams, the Stephon Diggs with no help, things like that, and cover zero, I think that right now he's too young. He's still a little bit too wet behind the years to ask that of him right now, just in year two. Now, I think in about two years, in about year four, year five, Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I think Patrick, Patrick Satane is going to be that guy. I, I really, really do because, like I said, obviously he has the ability. <laughs> he has great uh, great tutelage from his yes, dad. And then, obviously, Denver's got a great scheme as well. So I think that he's definitely going to develop into being one of the top two or three corners in the league. But like what Devontae Adams said, not right now. He's not there yet. All right, let's turn to the defensive side of the football, your favorite side. And I want to begin with Max Crosby because – I thought he just played an absolutely brilliant game. He had two sacks, which brings him to nine this season. Uh, yep. Three quarterback hits, six tackles, including two for loss. But Stan, what he did in that five-play sequence uh, spanning the second and third quarter when he forced the fumble on Melvin Gordon, who, by the way, the Broncos cut today. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. Then he blocks the field goal from McManus, what, that chip shot, 25-yarder. Yep. And then coming out in the third quarter, he sacked Russell Wilson on the first series of the third quarter. He forced a punt. I mean, Stan... Let me ask you this. Is it more remarkable what he is doing at this level because the rest of the defense is pretty much subpar? Does it make it even more remarkable what Max is doing? 
I think it probably stands out more because nobody else on the defense is matching his production level. But even if you had another stud that was uh, that was playing on the defense side of the ball, it still would stand out as far as what Max Crosby has been doing. And I think it just goes to show. I think we. I think it's safe to say that he likes playing the Denver Broncos. He likes playing Russell Wilson because what is that four sacks for him on the year versus the Broncos, the block kick, the forced fumble, as you just said. Uh, so, I mean, you already saw the you already saw the, the the traces, the glimpses back in his rookie year when he had 10 sacks. Right. And then you just need to go ahead and just put it all together. Last year, what he led the league in and pressures or yes. something like that. Yeah, and then you just slowly see everything finally coming together where everything's now coming together in his life. And I think that somebody who checked himself into rehab after having his, his battle with alcohol addiction and everything like that, you just got to love his story. And the thing is, is that Max Crosby is still very young. So he still has so many more years. He has so many more levels that I think he's going to reach within uh, his career. Dan, I'm trying to think, do you think there's any better defensive end right now in the league? Oh man. Uh, right, right now in the NFL, that, that, that's probably a tough one. It'd be, it's tough to go ahead and say somebody definitively is playing better than him. Uh, you could probably say Micah Parsons okay. out of, uh, out of the Dallas Cowboys, number number 11. Sure. Well, what do they call him? Number 11 from number 11 from heaven. Or something like that. Something Skip Bayless always calls him. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I don't think even if you hate Max Crosby, I don't think you could put him anything under number three right now for uh, edge rushers or defensive ends within the NFL. I agree with you. And according to our good friend Paul Gutierrez, Crosby is the first Raider to have a force fumble, a sack and a block kick in the same game stand since Russell Maryland did it back in 1997. Against the oh, San wow. Diego Chargers. Yeah, right? I mean, that's 25 oh, years wow. ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, I want to ask you this one. And I read after the win, uh, safety Deron Harmon, who we had on this uh, podcast uh, during the offseason, he called out the defense mm -hmm. during the week for its lack of energy. Now, the defense responded by allowing a season-low 16 points to the Denver Broncos, who, by the way, are the lowest-scoring team in the NFL. But, Stan, two-part question. Let me ask you this. What did you see different from the Raiders' defense on Sunday, if anything? Well, I think they played a little bit more inspired. I think that uh, obviously the, the the loss to the Indianapolis Colts, who just got uh, Jeff Saturday out of the studio analyst booth, and he's now the interim head coach, I think that probably really stung in the locker room to lose that game to the Indianapolis Colts. And I think that everybody came out with more of a purpose, came out with a vengeance. Now, I'm not stupid. They played the Denver Broncos, right. who you just said, the lowest scoring team in the NFL. So that does help with being able to play the game a little bit more effective and be more productive on the defense side of the ball. But still, like we already said, these wins, these games, they're hard. I don't care who you're playing. So to get a victory, that's not easy. It's still hard. So that's why you still got to go ahead and give them their credit. But uh, to your point, to your original question, yeah, they definitely came out with a little bit more purpose. They came out with an axe to grind. They came out with something to prove. And it showed down the stretch being able to go ahead, claw their way back into it, and then come out victorious. So, Stan, let me ask you this. You played eight years in the NFL. What is the difference between hearing it from, let's say, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, who I'm sure has been harping on this since the day he got there, you're hearing you're not bringing the energy, and then one of your teammates calls you out. What is the difference in hearing that 
you know, whenever it's a coach, after a while, players, you can actually tune a coach out. Okay. Because you've been hearing his voice since the summertime. You've been hearing it since the offseason. You've been hearing it all throughout training camp. And then you just get to a point to where, okay, like, you know, it's starting to sound monotonous. I'm just tuning him out. Okay, whatever. But whenever your teammate does, and the thing is, is that as a coach, it's very easy to miss something. It's very easy to not know the nuances, the context, things like that. And so it's very easy for players. Oh, man, coach is over here tripping today, man. Like, he just don't get it. He just don't understand. Like, it's different when you're coaching from when you're actually out there playing. There are certain things that we're seeing out there on the football field or certain things that we're experiencing that he just won't understand because he's over there with the headset on and we're actually out here on the field. But when a player actually says it, that's when you can't use that argument. You can't use the, hey, man, you just don't know how it is. No, uh uh-uh. He's out there on that football field with you. He's got the helmet on just like you do. So you can BS a coach to a certain degree mm-hmm. as far as explaining to him certain things. And even though he may not really, really agree with you, he has to go ahead and give you the benefit of the doubt because you know what? I'm not out there. He actually is. Maybe there is something. Maybe there is a certain dynamic or a mechanism that he's seen, he's observing that I'm not able to see from my vantage point because I'm on the sideline. But you can't BS a teammate. You can't BS another player. So whenever they say it, it's going to rain a little bit harder uh, within your vernacular. It's going to it's gonna hit a little bit different uh, as far as internally because you know that you can't BS them. And they're clearly seeing something out there on that football field that you're not doing, and you have no choice but to respect it. And that's why usually when those players have those closed-door meetings, that's when you tend to see more – changes occur okay man to man player to player then you will if the coach is barking at you stan during your days with the raiders who was probably the most vocal teammates you had on the defensive side of the ball i'm, I'm gonna guess warren sapp and maybe i'm wrong but that that's the first name that would come to my mind is that is that accurate warren sapp was one of them uh richard seymour was another one. Oh, okay uh i would say uh warren sapp richard seymour Another one I would probably go with was Rolando McLean. Oh, sure. For the uh, for the brief time he was there, he was pretty vocal. Um, and I I would probably go with those three. I would say uh Warren uh Warren Sapp. Uh, I would say Richard Seymour. I would say Rolando McLean. Uh, in the back end, you know, Namdi more so pretty much led by example. Right. I was only with Charles for Charles Woodson for a year. Okay. Um, so in the back end, I wouldn't say we really had anybody that was vocal like that, but uh Warren Sapp definitely, Rolando McLean, uh Kirk Morrison, he like he he sure. would say whatever he needed to say. Danny Clark was another one, my rookie year. He was our Mike linebacker, and uh, and then like I said, Richard Seymour. Was there a big difference between when Richard spoke and when Warren spoke? How they uh, delivered their messages. I would say, I would say for Warren Sapp, obviously, you know, the tenor in his voice, because you know, his voice carries. Yep. Uh, and just his overall stature, you know, arguably the best defensive tackle, best three technique ever to play the game. Obviously, a lot of people would argue with Aaron Donald, right. but it's gonna be 99, either this 99 <laughs> or that 99. Um, and then I say with Richard Seymour. I would probably say from a different standpoint because Richard Seymour didn't have a voice to carry. His voice is actually kind of it's actually kind of uh, low. 
So Richard Seymour doesn't really yell. And so I believe that I, oftentimes, and I've heard this from public speakers or just people in general, whenever you talk with a normal voice, it actually causes people to listen to you even more because they got to get up close so, you, so they can hear you. So it's, it's, so it's some weird dichotomy. I, I forget exactly what it is. And so, uh, and then on top of that, with Richard Seymour being obviously a Hall of Fame player, much deserved, uh, coming from New England, going to school at Georgia, previously from the uh, state of South Carolina, somebody who's just naturally strong. Like I remember Tyvon Branch used to always say like, like Richard Seymour is like half ox, like because he's just naturally strong. Right. And so Richard Seymour is about six, three, you know, big, strong ox. So when he walks up to you, he almost kind of looks like, like Goliath. And so whenever he speaks, that's when you're naturally going to listen. And then he's got more of a, of a lower voice. He, like his voice doesn't carry. So now you're kind of wondering, okay, let me get up a little bit closer because I don't, I don't want to make sure that I don't miss anything he says. And so I think that, you know, just a, just a little bit of a difference in approach, but definitely Richard Seymour was somebody that when he got to us, he was pretty vocal. He wouldn't be loud, but he would still be vocal as far as getting his point across to any player that needed to be told something that they were messing up on, could do better, anything like that. I was on Twitter today, Stan. Well, several times I've been on Twitter, but it was the 12-year 12, 12 anniversary of Richard Seymour laying out Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Oh, I remember that game very much so. Very <laughs> much, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, I remember at the time, I remember uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine, I remember she uh, she told me, she's like, she said, I'm so happy he did that. And, you know, this is, a, this is you know, right after, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was having his issues off right. the field. Oh, I'll yeah. just go ahead and leave it at that. And so for her being a woman, she was just like, I'm so glad Richard Seymour did that. She's like, I, I, she said, that was my, she said, that was the best moment of the game for me. So, uh, so yeah, no, I definitely remember that vividly out there at Heinz Field. All right, Stan, uh, I want to share something with our Raider Nation, and I read this in Peter King's weekly column called Football in America, and uh, I think it, it goes to part of our conversation from last week about Derek Carr being the scapegoat for the Raiders for this season, the disappointing season mm -hmm. they're having. And Peter was writing this about more about from the Green Bay Packers' uh, point of view, and he wrote in a quote, I think it might not be altogether nonsensical to consider trading Aaron Rodgers to the Las Vegas Raiders for Derek Carr and a third round pick. Now, might being the most important word there. Miles to go before you reach a decision like that. But it crossed my mind. And that's where uh, it ended for Peter. Now, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Stan, is uh, 39 years old. And I don't think he's having a particularly great season for whatever reason. It could be his age. It could be his receivers. It could be for whatever reason. And I'm not crazy about getting into hypotheticals. But Stan, at least... This does give you pause and think, well, what if? And if you are the Raiders and this deal did present itself in the offseason, you got to think about it, right? Uh, if you do, you better make sure that you uh, uh, you better make sure that you uh, smooth it over. Not going to say smooth it over, but better you better run it by Devontae Adams. Sure. Uh, if you were to even think about that, just because for Devontae Adams, he left Green Bay because he was tired of the Aaron Rodgers controversy. Is he going to come back? Is he not? Is he going to retire? Is he not? So now you're going to put him out there in Las Vegas, Nevada, 
where now he's going to be back with Devontae Adams, who we could clearly see a few things that they both said in the media that were kind of shots at the other one. They're going to have to go ahead and clear that air, but I'm pretty sure they put that, that they easily can put that behind them. But I think that if Aaron Rodgers was to go to another team, is he going to have the cachet? I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. We already know he's cachet. He's right. got the cachet because he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. But is he going to be allowed? Is he going to be able to freely not show up to OTAs and the offseason workouts and the coach just simply be okay with it? That right there to me is the biggest question. And then if there's any pushback from Josh McDaniels or anybody within the front office, is that going to cause Aaron Rodgers to now start the, well, I'm not sure if I'm coming back. Uh, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I'm going to take some time off to go and think about it. So I think that for the Las Vegas Raiders, if they were to do that trade, I think that's something that they probably would have to go and run by a lot of the top guys on the team, the Max Crosby's of the world, the Chandler Jones, obviously Devontae Adams. Uh, you're going to have to run that by them, see how they feel, because they might have their own personal feelings where uh, I don't feel like dealing with uncertainty as far as who our quarterback's going to be. I don't feel like answering questions about, is he going to be back? Is he not going to be back? Because you know what? He's not been here for OTAs or offseason workouts. So I think that's something that they definitely would have to make sure, make sure that they get the blessings from a lot of their top players, or should I say the captains on the team? Okay, so I just listened to your answer. Everything I was hearing, Stan, was more associated with off the field Aaron Rodgers. So on the field, Aaron Rodgers, are you going to roll? Everything pans out. Everything that you just said, everybody signs off on him. Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, all the leaders. Uh, Josh McDaniels is on board with this. Dave Ziegler, Mark Davis. Okay, let's say the deal gets done. Are you comfortable throwing out there someone, Aaron Rodgers, we, we know about his resume. It's, he's a certain Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no ifs, ands, buts about that. But at 39 years old, having this kind of season he is, for the Green Bay Packers, would you roll the dice for a year or two with him? Uh, yeah, I would. I would just go ahead and just and just chalk this year up to, you know what, he doesn't have Devontae Adams. Maybe he's a little frustrated with the young receiving core, things like that. Uh, maybe he's not gelling with Matt LaFleur. You know, who knows? Uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is not having an Aaron Rodgers type of year. But just the ability to be able to pull the trigger, the ability to be able to throw in the tight windows, the ability to be able to, excluding this season, have that rocket, have that gunslinger type of mentality while still not throwing a bevy of interceptions. I believe Aaron Rodgers still, he came out of my draft class, mind you. I believe Aaron Rodgers still has not thrown 100 career interceptions. Still, right now, I believe he's under 100. And so that right there is why if you're asking about the trade for Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr, I don't know of many Raider Nationers who would not take that trade. It's just amazing. It just blew me away that you said he came out in my draft class. Yeah, he came out in my draft class. Aaron Rodgers will be, what, 39 soon. And it, to, it, to, my, to my recollection, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has hit 100 career interceptions yet. Wow, that, that's incredible. That is an unbelievable stat. Both the fact that he came out in your draft class and he had yet to throw 100 career interceptions, uh, that couple of remarkable things. Our one, uh, another thing I want to ask you about, we were actually, I was kind of joking around when we were texting during the game. Uh, I said, Stan, is it possible Daniel Carlson is the team MVP, the kind of season he's having? And then I was thinking, all right, so I'll throw Daniel Carlson in there. 
I'm going to throw Devontae Adams in there, obviously, with the 10 touchdown receptions. Uh, and we've still got seven games to go. Uh, Josh Jacobs, who I talked about as well, Stan, having an outstanding year on pace for 1,500 yards. And then Max uh-huh. Crosby. I can't, Max Crosby, nine sacks. You got it. What do you think the over-under is for Mad Max total sacks, Stan? We got, he's at nine. We got seven games nine. left. Give me an over-under. Mm, I would say let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and put the over-under at 14 and a half. Ooh. Okay. I, I like that. I was thinking maybe yeah. I was thinking 13 or 14 also. So, all right. Given those four guys, who would be your MVP? Oh man. Uh, okay. So uh, Danny and, and Carlson, who's my... Mr. Automatic, close to being Mr. Automatic as you can be. We got Devontae Adams, 10 touchdown receptions, and you know he's probably what do you think over under there? 15 on the year? 16? For touchdowns. Yep. Uh yeah, I'd say 15, 16. Yeah. All right. And then we got Josh Jacobs on pace for 1,500 yards, which would be a uh, career high. And then Mad Max. Out of those four, who would be your MVP? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, okay. I would probably have to go with... Oh, man. I know. That's a tough one. I know. Uh, I, would prob- I would probably have to go with... Oh man, because I, I I don't want to discount or discredit anybody. No, no. Uh, I the MVP of the team, I would probably have to say. Uh, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and go with uh, uh Carlson. Wow, really? Because yeah, let's go so- because I because I, I, I don't want to I don't want to discredit or I I don't I don't want to uh, slight Josh Jacobs. I don't want to slight Devontae Adams. I definitely don't want to slight Max Crosby. And the thing is, is that for Max Crosby, he's really bald this year. has nine sacks, 10 games, all of that. You got to give him his credit. Uh, in, in two of the Raiders' three wins, he's got four sacks. Right. No doubt about that. You got Devontae Adams, who now I believe he's uh, he's fifth on the list all time of like of a consecutive 10 touchdown seasons. Yes, I read that also, uh, yes. So you, yeah, so you got to go ahead and give him his credit. Josh Jacobs on pace for 1,500 yards, for crying out loud. And then Daniel Carson, who, I mean, Carlson, who's pretty much, you know, Mr. Automatic. Uh, I would probably have to go with Carlson because you're seeing a lot of his kicking that is prevailing in their victories. As far as Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, because you're a three and seven football team, it's really, really hard for me to go and just say somebody's an MVP because you're three and seven. Right. So, how valuable are you really? And that's not saying that they're not great players. Right. But if we're talking about MVP and your team is not winning, that's kind of hard. But like I said, as far as Pro Bowl, I mean, shoot, they all need to go to Pro Bowl. No yeah. doubt about that. Uh, but as far as MVP, that's kind of, I don't know about you, but that's kind of hard for me to really reconcile as far as who I'm going to select. So I would just go ahead and go with Carlson because I don't want to discount. I don't want to discredit any of those other three. I don't want to do that to them. Right. I, you know, I, I thought about this and to me, I think if I, you know, gun to my head, I think I would give it to Max Crosby. Simple the fact, I think that Adams and Jacobs have a little more help on the offensive side of the football. And I think what Crosby is doing is I talked about earlier. He basically, He's the only playmaker on defense. I mean, they have, they have some other solid players. I think Nate Hobbs uh, is definitely not going anywhere. I do like Rocky scene. I think there's a few pieces there, but for Crosby is doing week in and week out and not for the most part, not getting much help. I, I think I would have to put him first. Uh, obviously, if we're going to break it down, Crosby's the defensive MVP. 
I think the, yeah. I think Adams is the offensive MVP, and obviously Carlson, Daniel Carlson. And so, the, and so, and so, the thing about Mad Max, and like I said, I really don't want to say this because, like I said, I think he's a phenomenal player. Right. But you know, for the sake of this podcast, for the sake of you know being for being objective, the thing about Max is that he'll have games where. He, I don't want to say disappears. I don't want to say that. I don't want to disrespect no. him because he's a Texas guy and I think he's a great player. He deserves his money, all of that, and going to the Pro Bowl again this year. Uh, but the thing is, is that obviously we see he got nine sacks this year. Four of them came against the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, one of the worst teams in the league. Denver Broncos got the lowest scoring offense in the league. So a lot of his production has come against, you would call it lesser talent. You would call it a lesser team. And so many games this year where he has not had the production that probably could have helped the Raiders come out victorious in certain games that they wound up losing. So that's why right there, when you talk about for Max Crosby being the MVP, that's where if I was going to push back on anything, that would be the pushback. Even though, like I said, I think that he's still having a Pro Bowl season, should become uh, should be another All-Pro and uh, definitely uh, very deserving of the extension he got back in. February or March or whatever month it was. Fair enough. All right, the Raiders on the road uh, heading up to the great Northwest, take on the Seattle Seahawks. Dan, uh, give me a prediction. You think they can make it two in a row? Uh, Hopefully they can. But uh, obviously the way the Seahawks have been playing, uh, they've been playing pretty well this year. They've obviously surprised a lot of people. you got uh, Geno Smith, who's actually really outpaced a lot of people's expectations of him showing that he's a starting quarterback in this league and then obviously the Seattle Seahawks showing that you know what we didn't exactly need Russell Wilson to uh, still be viable within the NFC so I think that uh it's definitely a game that the Raiders can win but it's definitely not a cupcake where they're just going to be able to walk in there and come out with a victory they're going to have to make sure that they start fast uh make sure that yeah that crowd you already know how that crowd is DA oh, yeah. so uh, you're going to have to yep. make sure that Yes, you're going to have to make sure to keep that crowd out of it. So pound the rock with Josh Jacobs. Get the ball to, to Devontae Adams. You got those young corners for Seattle. Hopefully Devontae Adams is able to show they're not there yet either. And uh, you got to make sure to also in the back end on the defense side of the ball, make sure that you do not allow Geno Smith to get going early. DK Metcalf, you got uh, you got uh, the other receiver, uh, Lockett. Lock Yep. So clearly, you know, you want to make sure that you don't allow those guys to get going. You want to keep the pass game very, very pedestrian. I think if they do that, they'll be able to come out victorious. Yeah, I think if they try to stay balanced like they get against Denver on offense, uh, that, that helps the defense as well. And we'll see what it's, they're going to have their hands full. Good credit to Pete Carroll. I think he's done a wonderful job up there. I didn't think Seattle. Uh, I thought Seattle might be three and seven heading into this one. But credit, uh, credit to Pete Carroll and the job he's done up there. All right, Stan, Thanksgiving. Thursday, what's your favorite dish? Tell me what you're going to be stuffing. Oh down. man, you know, come on. Hey, listen, I'll tell you this, DA. I'm in. I'm gonna go ahead and just and just spit it out. I've actually never really been that big on Thanksgiving food. Whoa, I actually whoa, never have. Whoa, yeah, I, I exactly. So like for me, like uh, obviously, you know, I can eat turkey, but I've never been like, oh my god, I got to have the stuffing and you know the dressing <laughs> and the cranberry. And no, I'm like I've I've always been pretty simple. So for me. You let me have uh, some turkey. You okay. let me have some mashed potatoes, some green beans, uh, rolls, something like that. 
I'm, I'm good to go, but I've actually never really been big on Thanksgiving food. I have no idea why. Uh, I just, I just have it. Can so, we splash uh, some gravy on something. there? Can, can we splash a little gravy on there for you, Stan? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Like definitely you put, you know, your toppings on it and okay. stuff like that, but <laughs> it's something that, you know, how a lot of people, they can't wait for Thanksgiving. They right. can't wait to go and overeat. You know, they can't wait for that day for me. Obviously it's about family. It's about being around your loved ones, you know, being thankful. Uh, but as far as like me, just salivating and being able to go and eat Thanksgiving food, which by the way, you can eat that any day of the year if you want to. Um, I've never been, I've never been real big on it, man. I never have. All right. Well, fair enough. I hope you and your family uh, have a wonderful <laughs> Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you Likewise, being my partner, my man. And it's, it's always great to do this with you. And I'm, I'm very appreciative and thankful. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and the family and Raider Nation. And that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. May all your punts find the coffin corner. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.